Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Beneath the summer sky, there's a place under the bridge. It's a place that we call home. It's our world, that's where we live. Hello and welcome to CBeebies Go Home, the podcast that asks the questions we're all thinking about children's TV but we're afraid to ask. I am Cammy, and joining me once again, it's my co-host James. Good evening. Uh, you can get in touch with us. Uh, we're on email. Um, we're on cbbsgohome at gmail.com and we're on the Twitters at cbbsgohome. Um, we are going to start with our regular feature, the CBBS Casting Couch. James, um, pitch me a CBBS TV idea this week. Well, this is very much uh, a variation of an existing uh, successful franchise uh, and it draws on one of the uh, great TV tropes, perhaps, of about... 10, 15 years ago. Um, so this uh, would be Mr. Tumble Late Night. Oh, I like this. So basically, CBeebies, as we know, shuts down at 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and so perhaps a little bit later, Justin uh, and perhaps some of his other uh, characters, like Holly Oaksley, can get involved in some steamy action. So um, perhaps, you know, you've got perhaps... A seductive scene involving Mr. Tumble and uh, some attractive young ladies. Uh, Tumble could be perhaps spitting out the F-bomb and the C-bomb. Uh, and perhaps they might tackle perhaps weightier subjects. So perhaps one of, you know, one of Justin's incarnations uh, subject to racist abuse, which is particularly bad, obviously, because he's blacked up in the first. Uh, or perhaps... You know, even grittier things like uh, Mr. Tumble dies of AIDS. Well, like well you could you could tackle elder abuse with with uh, Granddad Tumble. Yeah, um, uh, Lord Tumble um, poaching with Lord Tumble. I think probably they they would be the instigators of the. Well, yeah, that's true. And then would it have to be a discussion? I mean, Aunt Polly clearly. I mean, she's clearly racist. <sighs> Far be it from me to say that Mr. Himself. The character, Mr. Tumble, not Justin. Justin's a liberal man, but deep down, Mr. Tumble himself probably is a bit Brexit, isn't he? Well, yeah, but he's been brought up by Grandad Tumble and Aunt Polly. Yeah, who both both clearly have a very strong view. And then they live 
on the grounds of Lord Tumble's castle. And Lord, they're clearly related to him in some way, although sort of a, a, a side of the family Lord Tumble neither cares for uh, nor wants anything to do with. So if you're brought up in that environment, then clearly you're gonna, you know, you're gonna. Some of that's gonna rub off on you. I mean, kids need to learn. So when I say late night in the context of CBBS, maybe you leave a little bit of a gap and it's on a half seven. So we're not thinking of like a, a, a Justin's house, but it's the word and um, Robbie the robot is in see-through Iggy pop trousers. Oh, maybe we could possibly get Hufty back. There were Hufty's the elephant in Rara. Is that linked to? Famous word lesbian? I don't think so, no. That's inter- It's an interesting angle, though. I hadn't thought of that before. Yeah, there was that edition of the word when, uh, when uh, similar to Iggy Pop's see-through trousers, uh, one of the all-female punk band L7 dropped her trousers. Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, I, you're going to have to go post-Watershed to show something like that. Yeah. Oh, it's cool. it's def- there's definitely a runner there, I think. De- de- Mr. Tumble Late Night, I think that's a runner. Yeah. Um, my one was Simon the Sad Shetland Pony, which is about... Oh, yeah. He's a Simon and he's a Shetland Pony. And every week he tries a variety of different activities to cheer himself up, but nothing can ever fill the gaping chasm of despair that lies within his heart. Um, for animal welfare reasons, it has to be animated because uh, you can't put a real Shetland Pony on a roller coaster or send it kite surfing. Or spelunking. Is there a particularly dreary episode where Simon has to try a like a mindfulness journal? Yeah, it's it's just him writing down the the thoughts as they come to him. Um, but he gets he goes goes to a retreat um, on <laughs> mindfulness, but he gets kicked off the retreat because he's too sad and he's killing everyone else's buzz. And also, um, he, he's a shepherd pony. <laughs> exactly. And that the, there comes a point where, you know, he's not he's not house trained, and people have paid yeah. a lot of money to go on that mindfulness training, and then Simon is just there killing everyone's buzz and just you know shitting in all the rooms. Perhaps we can do a crossover with uh, Tumble Late Nights. I've decided it, to drop them in. It could be a feature, couldn't it? Well, perhaps whereby Simon turns to drink, and that's his way of trying to find happiness. Yeah. And that, but they check in with Simon throughout. Maybe it'd be like a thing, like a bit like uh, T TFI Friday, where they set him off on his task at the start of the episode and check in with him as he's going. It's like to cheer himself up. This week, Simon's gone down the pub, and then they just keep cutting to a, a Shetland pony getting more and more pissed in Larry. How easy or difficult would it be for a Shetland pony to commit suicide? I don't know. I mean, you'd need. I think that they haven't got opposable thumbs, so that's going to limit them in some mm. way. I think running off, you're looking at running off a cliff, really. Yeah. I mean, they're commonly found in, in rocky areas, Shetland ponies. Yeah. Maybe that's the tragedy that I don't realise about the Shetland ponies that have fall, but perhaps there is just a higher higher rate of, of depression and suicidal thoughts on Shetland ponies. Yeah. If you know a Shetland pony, listen, give them a hug. Yeah, make just and make yourself self available. Even if the Shetland pony yeah. isn't ready to see you, just let, let the Shetland pony know that you're always there for it. Yeah, um, and that's that's the best advice you can give. Don't just go over there and demand a ride. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because that's that's the last thing they want to give. So yeah, just look out for your Shetland pony friends. We all we all should do that. Um, so turning away from depressed Shetland ponies. Um, don't I mean don't I mean don't no, please don't no don't. turn towards them. 
open your heart to them, if anything. Um, But um, close to them and you in the manner of the kings. Exactly. So uh, putting the Shetland pony to to the side for the moment, but but always having it in our heart. Let's move on and and look turn to this week's uh, the subject of this week's episode, which is the um, Molly and Mac, the strange strange world of Molly and Mac. Um, James, do you want to have a go at describing Molly and Mac? So from what I can tell, Molly and Mac is set in the fictional world of Scotland. I believe that's what it's called, yes. Scotland. I'll allow it. And it's un- it appears to take place um, under a bridge, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and there's some kind of something called a hub, which appears to be one of those kind of now underfunded new labour projects. <laughs> whereby um, a series of kind of bordering on care in the community um, are, are they hang out and nominally sell things, although nothing appears to be sold. And there's also a creche, which has the most lax uh, possible, as the kids yeah. appear to just run around. Very relaxed. I mean, I did, I, apparently, I did have to check this because I, I was slightly alarmed by that, but this is all taking part during Molly's summer holidays. Is it? Yes, so she's she's not preschool, she's in school. So the idea is this is during the summer holidays, which is why it's right. a kids' club rather than a nursery. Yeah. The ratios right. are still out, though. There's, I mean, there's definitely more than... It's the, the, it's Molly's dad running it, and there's definitely more than one to eight there. I mean, we'll, we'll come on to discuss the age issues. Yeah. That are clear. Yes. Molly, Molly and Mac's dad, Mac and his dad... Yeah, so in apparently now this took a lot of googling. Now officially, Mac is eighteen, Molly mm. is eight, and the dad mm. is thirty-nine. Officially, in yeah, okay, it kind of scans that in real life the actor that plays Mac is twenty-three and the dad is forty, which okay. makes him seventeen when you have. Um, someone on Mumsnet did point out that the show is set in Fife, so if the dad was about twelve when he had Mac, that wouldn't be. Yeah, I mean that's it. that seems perfectly real. Uh, I mean they've got such kind of low standards of uh, low tra- child protection standards, given what the kids are allowed to do. It seems perfectly reasonable. Yeah, I mean it's there's not much to do in North Queens Ferry apart from look at a bridge. Yeah, I mean there is the the, the nature of the, the the seemingly small age gap between the two of them is that I think on a first viewing of this program I presumed it was a manic two dad situation. Well, that's a lot of people assume that because the way that the the theme song talks about we're a family built on love, mm. and it yeah. it does appear to be. I think because of his because of Max's cheekbone structure, that's the only thing I can put it down <laughs> to. That's that's the only. He just looks a lot older than he is. Well, the thing is, uh, I I mean, I don't buy the relationship between Mac and his much taller than him girlfriend Daisy, uh, and their interactions seem loose. Yeah, well, we might come on to to what's going on there. I mean, there is the other theory, of course, that that. You know they've moved to South Queens Ferry. I, it's, you know, it's it's outside of Ember. It's a bit of a backwards place. What if they're in witness protection, and they've been told, look, for the sake of your family and your safety, you're moving to this backwater to live to work in this hub. You're going to have to be pretend to be dad and son instead of a gay couple. Yeah. Well. Otherwise, you'll be run out of the town with pitchforks. And I mean, it's clear that the crime is the death of the mother. Well, that 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 was a very dark hole. The mum's net thread I was reading went down um, about the writing out mothers in families and um, the role of mothers, and then it went 
into adoption and it got very dark very quickly, um, having started with a discussion about what's going on with Molly and Mac. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that went very, very dark very quickly. Um, the, the other theory, and the, the theory I've got, which and we, this might play out as we go through it, is that it's a cult. That this is the the big the Bridgetown Big Hub houses a cult, and it's an Ian Banks novel masquerading as a children's TV show. So we've got the 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 death of the mother, which is it's mentioned in the episode we're going to talk about. We have no idea how she dies. I don't think that ever comes up. I'm not even sure Molly knows. There is some unspoken tragedy that seems to sort of be bubbling under the surface throughout Molly and Mac. They're all of the characters. They all seem to be struggling one way or another. There is some sadness behind the eyes, isn't there, in all of them? There's something going on in every single one of their lives that's brought them to this place. And like I said, I think it's a cult. And I think it's being run by, by Molly and Mac's dad. Mm. In that yeah. slightly insidious... He's not there as the big sort of leader in the sort of, you know, just the just slightly insidious sort of, you know, manipulating people's lives kind of way. Could the... Could the sadness at the heart of it be perhaps a metaphor for um, the, the plight of Shetland ponies? <laughs> perhaps, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what this may be. Actually, it's like a reverse cats. That <laughs> instead they're all actually playing the roles of Shetland ponies, but as humans. <laughs> reverse, reverse, reverse cat would be people with the the faces. Of- <laughs> the bodies of humans and the faces of cats. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It would be, I don't know whether that would be more or less sinister that, you know, having seen the trailer for the upcoming film adaptation where you've got, they've managed to engineer a way that James Corden would somehow be more disturbing. So, yes, there's essentially a day nursery in the market, um, which will come on to as a huge health and safety nightmare. Uh, mm. There's the Bridgetown Big Hub, as it's called, which is a market, but... Um, nobody's selling anything of any any worth. Um, I think this smacks of whoever's written or created this is a man having a midlife crisis in which he's, he's imagining a future in which his wife's dead. And this is his ideal future. So he's, he's, just, he's having a daydream. Like, well, what if my wife died? Well, I'd moved, to, I'd moved away with the kids and my son had set up a record on an antique toy stall. Why wouldn't he? That's cool. I'd just run a day nursery so I could spend more time with my daughter and um, we'd just be in this really cool country place and then this woman would walk into my life and she'd be kind of interesting. She'd travelled a bit, as we'll come on to in a minute. I think that I think it's someone's midlife crisis made real in a children's TV show. Or rather than it being his son than he is perhaps hiding his thoughts or his desire to have an eight-year-old lad with good cheekbones. Just around. Just around. How could I write that? Why have I made him my son? Would that be weird? No, that wouldn't be weird. Um, well, maybe that's what it, we can't quite come to. Oh well, he'll just be about. I mean, I don't. I don't think of him in that way. If I write him as my son, I don't. That that will mean that people won't think I'm thinking of him that way. But I would like to make just what sort of man. I- yeah. So that's it. So it's either a cult or it's it's some man having some midlife crisis and writing a children's TV show where all of his desires. Secret desires are made real. Yeah, innocent desires. Innocent, yeah, very innocent desires. Um, the episode we're looking at then is it's the episode number one, and there's a lot of exposition in this, which is why we've chosen it. Um, which is the new stall. Um, and as you said, it, it opens with the children running free around the market, and that's. I mean, 
that can't be right. No, I, I, I don't think it's... I mean, they keep having exterior shots of made me think it is, in fact... It, well, it looked to me eerily reminiscent of Biker Grove. Yeah, I mean, it's that old church. It's an old church. It's clearly a converted church of some description, which is, I think, why there's the kind of culty vibe to it. Um, and we go, we we kind of we cut to Max Stoll. He's talking like Daisy's girlfriend, who's a vet's assistant, I think, or a veterinary nurse. This is much yeah, established. I, 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 think, I think veterinary nurse, a vet's assistant, makes it sound like uh, you know, vets are, are magicians. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could. I don't know. Pull a rabbit out or something. <laughs> Um, now, a Mac store which sells Mac Mac's only store where he sells um, antique rec, antique toys and records. Now, the records I spotted were the Sensational Everly Brothers, Sweet Sixteen by Billy Idol, Time After Time by Cindy Lauper, and the theme from the Pink Panther TV show. Mm. That these are hardly, I mean, it, the records he's selling are hardly high ticket items. They're not going to, you're not going to sell any of those for more than about fifty p or a pound. But it, it appears not to matter. Does it? Because no. there's nobody there. Exactly. So it's how are they making money? This is why I think it's a cult. How are they making money? Or it's a front and they're selling drugs. Well, that's true. Um, I like you said the the, the the relationship with Daisy seems very chaste. It seems having a bit of a they're, they're kind of having like a bit of a canoodle on the stall. But a bit quite a half-hearted one. Yeah, neither of them seems that he kind of wants it to stay, but she's quite keen to get back to the vets, form some I magic. He, he might be a pimp. Very possibly, yeah. Mm, that would fit into the writer's fantasy somehow. Yeah. Um, the but the the big news is that um, there's somebody who's got a new stall, and the news is that she's done a lot of travelling. And one small boy thinks that that means she's a pirate. Yes. As a reoccurring joke that isn't funny. Um, and so we meet. We then meet Alice, who now. Again, coming back to the midlife crisis that, that the writer's clearly having here, he's created, a, well, I mean, it's pretty much the manic pixie dream girl, isn't it? She's been off travelling and she's here to fix Molly and Mac's dad. But she's suitably old, is she? You know, oh, well, Mac- yeah, you couldn't make, you couldn't make a, you, you couldn't do that. Otherwise, there'd be all sorts of, there'd be all sorts of, that cause all sorts of issues writing-wise. So you have to cast, but it's, it's the, maybe not girl's not the right word. I don't know what the right word is that would be respectful at the same time. I don't think there is a she's a she's closer to the father's she's basically she is what she is who the writer was lust at the indie disco when he was eighteen. Yeah. And he's seen her recently and she's divorced and he's thought, Oh well, we're if my wife was we could run away to Scotland and she could come too. And she's and not got any that. kids. She's not got any kids, she's got no baggage with her. This that's mm-hmm. that's how that would pan out. I mean, he did notice that she has got some pretty regretful kind of, you know, lower back tattoos, but he's willing to overlook that. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the description of the um, Manic Pixie Dream Girl, for anyone who's not familiar with the uh, with the meme, is it exists solely in the fevered imaginations of sensitive writer-directors to teach broodingly soulful young men or older men to embrace life and its infinite mysteries and adventures. And that's clearly what's happening here. But in a very mild way. I wonder how this kind of kind of plants plant that seed in the minds of children uh, about what their kind of crisis will be like in you know decades. Yeah, that that's all you need to come along. You'll be you'll be sad if your wife dies. You're sad. You bring the kids up in a cult, but it'll mm. be okay because somebody will turn up. 
Yeah. He's been interesting and been travelling and add some colour to your life. But the, maybe just, just go, and, go and do something more worthwhile. Why does it always ache for another kind of... A woman, I mean, it's, it's, the old, it's the old trope, isn't it? Of, of uh, It's a classic male writer thing to do, isn't it? If you, you A woman's come along to fix this man's life and his problems. Yes. He, he could be doing something worthwhile with his writing kind of hard-hitting dramas or he could be devoting his time to helping sad Shetland ponies. Or... Yeah, you don't, you don't have to. He doesn't have to look for fulfilment in the first woman that walks through the big town hub store. Although that would save time. It, narratively speaking, it does. <laughs> it does. And for all of us, indeed, yeah. if those women would just turn up. Yeah. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So um, Molly drags Alice off to uh, see her dad, sad dad, as mm. we'll call him, who's he's there running the day nursery. Um, she wow, says, run, running is a very old. Wow, he's standing with a clipboard and there's some children running around him, being pre- he's it's the only time he's present in the day nursery, despite the fact he's supposed to be running it. I don't think he's, look at I should say inspection. No, no way. I mean, he's got a clipboard, and there's, there's more paperwork that you can fit on a clipboard for running it. And there's no way that Ofsted are going to, like we said with Amas last week, where she's running a cafe daycare. It's it's just it, this this idea, this somehow like CBB's idea that you can just stick a nursery on the side of some established business, and it, and Ofsted are going to be okay with it. Well, it's maybe one of those illegal nurseries. Maybe that you hear about the, the people running the basement. Yes, absolutely. This it comes oh, back to it being it comes back to it being a cult again, doesn't it? We need maybe a hard hitting illegal nurseries. Get somebody like uh, I don't know Donald McIntyre. Is he still anything? Yeah, Roger. Who is the guy? Roger Federer. Not Federer. <laughs> Not Moore. <laughs> Roger Dorsey. I know. There was that, that, that this guy on ITV, big bloke. Roger something. He used to go around and do those sorts of things, knocking on doors. Mark Albright's that's his stick now, isn't it? Yes, um, perhaps if if we could kind of upsell the way in which the nursery was run, we could perhaps get Ross Kemp, Ross Kemp involved. Oh, well, that'd be true, yeah. Roger Cook, that's who I'm thinking of. Oh, Roger Cook would be dead by now. Seven, 76. 
Is he? Yeah, still going. Um, so we could bring him out of retirement. One last job. Shutting yeah. down all the illegal <laughs> nurseries on CBBS. Uh, well, what is Roger Cook must be surely aware that by kind of traumatic convention, if it's one last job, it doesn't end well. No, no, especially when he uncovers it. I, I think it, it's all going to end badly when he takes down, tries to take down Sad Dad and Molly and Mac, and enters into the cult and is burned Wicker Man style. Well, I just saw him alongside maybe a younger, more maverick investigator. Matt Albright and Roger Cook kind of like, what, teaming up? Teaming up, yeah. The younger one sadly ends up to be quite anti-Semitic. There's a a horrendous scene there with Roger Cook sat on a toilet, isn't there? Nobody wants (laughs) to see that with a bomb. Albright, there's a bomb on the toilet. (laughs) That's my best Roger Cook impression. Yeah, that's pretty accurate, I yeah. thought. I thought you were saying this is going to be a scene on the toilet. You just the, the image of Roger Cook straining away. <laughs> Complaining about the state of his prostate. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, moving on. Um, so, that, I mean, Sad Daddy, he's, there's a lot of like sighing and wistful looking and looking up and down whilst he's talking to Alice. And there's a lingering as she goes is dragged off by Molly to the cafe. There's he 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 watch, he watches her go. It none of this is okay. No, it's it, it's somewhat stalky. Yes, somewhat. I think we it's just stalky. Um, now they they sit down for a cup of tea, Molly and Alice, and they get introduced to Miss Juniper, who in a really sinister way just says, "We've heard a lot about you." <laughs> Join us. Join us. Uh, interesting, the actress that played Miss Juniper was an extra uh, as a villager in The Wicker Man. Yes. Uh, uh, could we get Alan Wicker involved? <laughs> I'm not sure in what role. I'm not sure he's really... Well, we, if we're getting Roger Cook, he could surely... He's, he's got Wicker's... Is Wicker dead? Wicker's, Wicker must be dead by now. Alan Wicker's not still alive. Oh. <laughs> Esther Ranson, mate, you might get Esther Ranson at a push. If you're looking for sort of a consumer affairs person, Esther Ranson at a push. He was more travel travel. He'd go yeah, he'd go gonna... he'd, he'd give you a nice he'd give you a nice description of South of South Queens Ferry and the bridge. Tell you how it was built maybe. Tell you a little bit about the local life nightlife. Died in July twenty thirteen. That's yeah. put it down thing. That's not gonna help the Shetland ponies move. No. So there we go. Um the um so they're in the cafe um and for some reason dad and mac have agreed to move all of us all of alice's stuff onto the stall and dad drops a box of crockery mm. and then we have the song that every parent who has to watch molly and mac then sings for days which is oops oh no what am i going to do that now that i think you this is the first time you've watched molly and mac james no i have se- i have seen it yeah, so that's yeah. So then that's in there for days on end. Yeah, it's a kind of it's like a, a wacky moment. Yes. Um, so they sing the oops or no, but then he's like, oops, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. But then he just goes and says, oh, I've broken the pottery. It's not really that much of a dilemma, is there? Chuck it out. Yeah. Okay. Or as Molly does, she takes so she takes the broken bits over to Bob, Bob who runs the fruit and vegetable store. The only thing there, I think, apart from the cafe, that's any prospect of turning a profit. Although he seems to have enough time mosaics on tea trays, yes. Why a tea tray, Bob? My big question with with this sequence: so she turns up with with the pottery and says, "Oh well, smash it up further and create a mosaic." Now, here's the important thing: 
Why has he just got a mosaic to hand? I think I, I think it's the every CBB show I think has a Lemmy character in it, doesn't it? Mm. So that that kind of bit like we were saying, like with Bing and Flop the other week, you know, that sort of sad lumbering big sort of you know slightly with with learning disabilities. So he just sits there, sells his fruit and veg, makes his mosaics, keeps hangs himself to himself, the, hangs around with the kids. Yes, because this is the other thing. Because then he goes to help them make a mosaic. Sad dad disappears. I don't know that Bob's CRB checked. Bob very much uh, could could. I thought, given you know, this is set up in the, the first episode that the mother's dead, and that's very bleak for a CBB's first edition. I thought it was maybe like a kind, you know, like it was just kind of setting the scene for a reveal later that Bob was the. <laughs> <laughs> or, at very, or at very least, that would be a kind of red herring. You know, you'd think it was. Well, Bob was probably the last person to see her alive, I would imagine, and knows more about her than he's letting on. What you're saying is he's got he's got Laura Palmer's diary. Yes, I think Sad Dad turns up, gets drunk occasionally, turns up to Bob's house, saying, "What do you know? Tell me, Bob. <laughs> Bob I know Bob, you're not letting on." But Bob, Bob, Bob returns to his mosaic. Yeah, and then so, just uh, and then, and and quietly says to himself, "I just wanted to give her a cuddle, but I squeezed too hard." I she's just under the pat and talks to her because she's under his patio now. I just wanted to make of my heart beat. <laughs> Maybe he turned her into a mosaic. Maybe Bob's oh, house is well, filled with mosaics made out of human bones. That that would not be that would not be the most outlandish twist. It wouldn't be unexpected. Do you do you think that the writers of this, if potentially you know, um, for example? So, so the the writer's wife cottons onto what he's and how he's trying to express this, and so the writer <laughs> has to then perhaps put forward that it was actually all part of a dream. That was definitely where it's going. It was not to do with his kind of desire to meet this kind of travelled, attractive woman or this kind of chiselled young man who's kind of tra- who's his son, but actually the chair was going to go all kind of lynchy and yeah. And, Eventually, we find the body. I think it's one of the few. Well, it's this and Topsy and Tim, which I think we'll probably deal with in a later episode. Are one of the only few CBBS shows that have a, a linear narrative to the episodes, where where mm. there are there are un, underlying plots that that sort of do progress in one way or another, albeit very slowly. Mm. So we're probably looking at at least eight seasons of Molly and Mac before we find out how the mum died. Oh, I mean, I, I, maybe I'll never find out. Maybe yeah. she wasn't dead all along. Maybe she just, yeah, maybe that's a lie that uh, Sad Dad's been spinning them all. She just left them and he didn't want to. Then Mac would have to be in on that because he'd be, what, 10? At least. If he's 18, he'd be 10 when Mum died. Well, maybe that's it. Maybe this is it. It's it's like, if you think back to uh, last the last episode, maybe it's like the farm. He <laughs> said, oh, oh, how did she die? She just died overnight. We're not going to have a funeral. We're not going to talk about her ever again. It does. This is why I come back to it. It reminds me of an Ian Banks novel, a bit like something like The Crow Road or The Steep Approach to Garberdale, where there's just some underlying family secret that nobody speaks of, and then mm. it just sort of haunts the entire book until the very end. Yeah. And then it turns out that there's incest. Oh, there's definitely incest. There's definitely incest. That's why I think it's as there is in all Ian Banks books. Maybe Molly did it. Possibly. She said she, she said when she was a baby, maybe she's lying. Maybe she's an unreliable narrator. That's interesting. If we're seeing taking this being, if we're taking Molly as a kind of focaliser, 
in all of this. Maybe, maybe, maybe everyone's scared of. Maybe she's, maybe she's got supernatural powers. What's it like the Poltergeist or you know those horror movies where the kid sort of thinks things and then people die. Oh, so it's you know it's it's like the village and the kind of pedophobia is at the heart of it. I mean that would that would make sense for series. Yeah, I mean, it would make sense of why the dad's running the the nursery the way he's running it. The kids can just do whatever they want because actually, if you anger the children in any way. All they have to do mm. is think about a horrible way for you to die, and then you die. Yeah, those mosaics fall apart and turn to shards. Oh, death. Maybe, maybe that's maybe the twist is that they just you become a mosaic, like we said with Bob, and then Bob Bob then looks after them. Bob's job then is because they all love Bob. Is he then tends to the mosaics that the children have created out of the humans that have displeased them? I think there's no way that's no. I think that that's the only way this is good old. Um, so. They make the mosaic with with Bob, who's not CRB checked. Yeah, we've established. Um, and they, now they go to Alice's stall. Now coming back to what's on these stalls, she's earlier in the episode said, "I'm selling things that I found on my travels." Now, from what I could tell, the things she's collected on her travels consist of some keep calm and carry on mugs, some sort of ore, a cushion that I've definitely seen on sale in my local garden centre, and a load of tote bags. She doesn't say where she's travelled. <laughs> no, I've I've been tra- I've travelled near and far. Well, how far? Well, down to Dobie's Garden Centre and back again. Yeah. That's where I was working before. I've just nicked a load of stock and now I'm setting up my own shop. And now hiding out in the cult. Yeah. Um, and then they give her the mosaic, and that's it. It's definitely a cult. End where everyone gathers together. Now, one thing that you, we've um, glossed over is the other main song of uh, this particular horror which is I have an idea I have an idea I have an idea it's the only thing that wiped out it's interesting it's the only thing that can get oh oops or no what am I going to do out of your head but is in no way less horrifying the thing is if you look closely at the lyrics of uh, it's clear that the uh, the response part of it is probably in an, uh, could easily be manipulated to be said in a far more harsh sarcastic manner right <laughs> particularly the line you know i have an idea but the response hope it's a good one let's hear your idea <laughs> no <laughs> i've been in meetings like that I've probably said those. i might start using that line in meetings i was in a meeting <laughs> earlier today that was very much i i <laughs> a colleague a colleague said something very much like that and we had a phone call afterwards where i said <laughs> where we talked about why he'd had to say that. <laughs> yeah. So maybe there's just an... Uh, I took either potentially, I mean, if we're thinking about kind of dissatisfied dad having written that, that that's just how he responds to his kids. Yeah. You've had an idea, have you? Right, hope it's a good one. Let's hear your idea. All right, we should just we should just make a car out of marshmallows. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to write about... I'm trying to write a fantasy where your mother's dead and I've moved you all to South <laughs> Queens Ferry. <laughs> And that short-haired, short-haired woman with unsuitable tattoos has rocked up. Yeah, move out of the way. Next door's next door's teenage son's just coming out to move the bins. <laughs> Look at his cheekbones. <laughs> anyway, he's Any- my son. Yeah, he's, he's definitely my son. Yeah, that's that's how I'm writing the part. Um, but the, the only I had some notes on that song as well, which is the what struck me with the drama school dancers. With with just those terrifying fixed grins, 
but you can also tell they're dying inside because they're best mates in a West End show, but they're in a TV studio in Glasgow recording a children's TV series and a clip that's going to haunt them when their career takes off. If their career takes off. If their career takes off, yeah. Behind the fixed screen is perhaps like like the Shetland Pony. There's the creeping doubt that, what if this is it? Yeah. Maybe this is the high point. Maybe I should just go and work for my dad. Maybe I should just go and do that graduate training scheme and perhaps become middle management in the post office. Yeah. I might get the keys to a helicopter. Oh, I might have to just track an old scene. <laughs> <laughs> Why is your car? Why is the van stopped? Get back in. Have you got your egg? Put it in the radiator. On your way. <laughs> On your way. Stop pretending you've got a cat. <laughs> That's your one delivery for today. If you go home. <laughs> yes, yes. Brian Cox was the church. <laughs> um, so, yes, definitely a cult, I think, is the is, is what we've decided about Molly. It's, it's, a, it's, it's definitely a cult written by someone having some sort of horrendous midlife crisis and struggle with their sexuality. Things kids need to know about. Yeah, exactly. Very true. Um, and Ian Banks' novel masquerading as a CBeebies program, I think, is the closest we can get to describing it. Um, I've got. I've, I've struggled with a quiz for Molly and Max. It's fairly new, so there's not many facts about it. Um, here we go then. Um, James, true or false? All the adult actors have appeared in Taggart. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you tell me it's false, it's definitely. It's disappointingly this is false, but only Bob hasn't. <laughs> I was absolutely furious when I was get I was going through IMDb going, yes, he's in Target. Oh, she's in Target too. I've got a question. And then I got to Bob and he hasn't been in Target. I, I think they... If, Bob, if you're listening to this, please, get, please correct your IMDb entry because that was a fact too good to be true. And sadly it was. And you let me down, Bob. You let me down. Um, the uh, What's the link between Limmy and Molly and Mac? Oh... Um, they both started as kind of real stars of Vine? No. Almost, though. Um, Sad Dad played Raven yeah. on CBeebies, of which Falkenhoof is a spoof. Wow, that is, that is that is a tough question. Yeah, there you go. So, do you remember Raven? It was kind of at the end of, I mean, it'd be the end of our, our sort of university days that came along on CB. It was kind of on about when we when you'd get in from lectures. It was kind of like a, it was like an outdoor crystal maze for children, and Raven was some sort of medieval wizard. I don't, but I can already picture it quite comfortably. Yeah, sad dad was was the wizard. Um, the true or false? In South Queensferry, they have an annual festival where they cover a man head to toe in burrs from a Burberry bush, and march him through the town. That is, that is definitely true Scottish event. That is true. That is a true Scotch event. Um, mm. Yeah, the, look at the very disturbing pictures of that online. Um, the What does the actress who plays Molly have in common with me and the band Fright and Rap? Berwick? No, we're all from the town of Selkirk. Ah. You were close. You were close there. That's that. That was that was as much of a quiz as we could have about Molly and Max. Sadly, um, apart from the fact they've all been in Taggart, nobody's been in anything else or played any roles of any note. Um, I did have the fact about the fact that the lady worked in the cafe, being an extra in the Wicker Man, but 
we'd already divulged that. So that was that was Molly and the dark world of Molly and Mac. Um, mm. We'll no doubt return to it at some point in the future. I think that they've been recommissioned for series two. Plenty more to explore there, um, as the the writers. Um, fantasy continues to unravel. Maybe you might get some sort of like the elements of the divorce, the inevitable divorce that came as a result of him writing it will start to leak into series two. Uh, I think potentially the wife turns up. Oh, that would be a twist and a half. But he'll be contrivance and she'll have to pretend that maybe she's her twin. Oh, that would be very good. Maybe she turns up and pretends to be the sister of the lady that's in charge with the whistle. Yes. Yeah. All sorts of fun to be had in Molly and Mac series two. Um, we'll be back with another uh, episode in a couple of weeks. Um, get in touch. Let us know if there's anything you want us to cover. Um, like we said previously, anyth- mainly things on CBBS. If there's anything on um, other um, platforms you want us to cover, so long as we don't have to pay for them, we're more than happy to cover them. Um, doesn't have to just be CBBS, but CBBS would be our preference for the moment. Um, so get in touch with us on Twitter at cbbsgohome or uh, email cbbsgohome at gmail.com. But for the moment, it is goodbye from me and goodbye from James. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.